Welcome to Luther's Brew Brothers with Pastor Pat and Layman Dave, and uh, we're going to do kind of a book review. We both read a book recently called Postmodern Times, A Christian Guide to Contemporary Thought and Culture by Gene Edward Veith, Jr. This book was written um, a long time ago. About 20 years, wasn't it? First printing is 1994, but uh, just reading it, I could not believe how how much it's exactly what he predicted. It was almost like a a, a very just, you know. Prophetic. Yeah, prophetic look about our our what's going on in 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 our times uh and how postmodernism is really uh you know given way to a lot of the things we're seeing in, in our culture very today much, very much entrenched in the way you see it in politics you see it in the churches you see it just across the board in culture you bet yeah well how you doing pastor hey i'm well brother how are you doing i'm doing good i'm doing good you're a little busy at work uh you know but this is my busy time, so kind of, I'm, I'm kind of transitioning. You know, we we passed um, uh, Pentecost and Holy Trinity Sunday, so we're now in that non-festival half. We call it, or sometimes mm-hmm. it's called ordinary time. Yeah. Nothing ordinary about the gospel, though. So it's no. always exciting, something to celebrate. But you know, not nothing big on the horizon. So kind of things I, slow down a little bit. The time know, the of church. the church. Yeah. The time of yeah, the exactly. church, right? The green, growth of the, the green church. Time. Yeah. Yeah. So that's good. Well, what are you drinking? I have got a, uh, this is an Icelandic white ale. It's uh, Einstock. I think I'm saying it's got an umlaut. I don't know if they pronounce it like German or I don't know Icelandic, but Einstock. It's mm-hmm. a kind of like a wit beer, Belgian right. style. It's got a little coriander. It's kind of a nice summer beer, but we're going, uh, my wife and I, we're going to Iceland in a couple of weeks, just talking about winding down in summer. Yeah. A little a little R and R that's overdue. So you're gonna get a taste of the beer you'll be served there. I now. figure. Yeah, a little yeah, bit of a preview. You know, kinda kinda wet the appetite for I hear the food in Iceland is not really noteworthy. It's things like fermented shark and other weird stuff that I guess sustained Vikings through the cold winters. But <laughs> uh, but you know what? Hey, beer is I I don't care what culture you're in, it's beer is beer. This is good. It's light, yep. but it's it's a good beer. What are you drinking? I well, I'm you know I'm drinking my tried and true. Uh, I'm drinking uh, base. It's a basic beer, Stone IPA. It's one of go. my favorite. One of my go tos. One of my favorites. Um, so yeah, just and what just is do, wrong just doing with that? The, yeah, just just doing the normal today. That's so, good. Sticking yeah. with something you know to be true. Speaking about our topic today, you know what's yeah. wrong with just sticking to what we know to be true. And not trying to always just reinvent truth uh, to suit our our changing palate. Right. And, you know, uh, I keep, you know, I was reading this book. It kept flashing back in my mind uh, that God is the same yesterday, today, and forever. He doesn't change. Yeah. And, uh, but, you know, our culture is is preoccupied with change. Is, was, and ever shall be. That's how we end our colics, too. That's kind of nice. Maybe that's it. Maybe that is that driving uh, force it, it, it's a couple of things we're we're, we're just kind of getting into it but there's there's i think a lot of driving forces for this uh this mindset that we are uh presently very much steeped in that we're just kind of giving that term you know postmodernism, and uh i think it goes back to well 
it's got its roots in literary criticism as well as artistic critique. Um, I think World Wars One and Two probably uh, set the stage because, my goodness, things that you thought you could believe in, and then the world goes nuts and crazy, and literally, it is tearing itself at uh, apart. Atomic bombs threatening, you know, existence as we know it. Uh, I think be people began to question, well, what can I believe in? You know, things that I thought were tried and true, ideologies, theologies, philosophies, you know, everything seemed to be up for grabs. You couldn't count on anything in such a chaotic, violent world. And I think people just started kind of grabbing at their own sense of truth and mm -hmm. uh, defining their own life. Right, right. And um, isn't that kind of, I mean, that harkens back to the Tower of Babel. Doesn't it? Where um, we basically reject God and we're going to, I mean, it's the same thing as Satan, you know, wanting to put his throne above God's. We're just, sure. we're trying to, we're, we're trying to build our own, um, our own way around God higher than he is. Right? Maybe I'd even go back further than that to the very dawn of creation, to the very first temptation, you know, um, did God really say this? But then also, you know, uh, basically questioning if you, if you do this, if you if you partake of this fruit, having the knowledge of good and evil yourself, you can in essence be your own god. Mm -hmm. You don't need this guy. You well, can you can create your own world. Yeah. And I think it's that it's it's that seduction of wanting to not just usurp God but literally replace God. That I can create my own reality. I can create my own world. Right. With my own rules. With my own. Uh, you know, expectations, hopes, and dreams. Well, what did what did Eve say? She said it was uh, pleasing to the eye and good for making one wise. Yeah. So, what was wrong with the wisdom of God that they were given that they had to they had to go and grab their own wisdom? I think it's just you just said it. It's God's wisdom, not my wisdom. And there's there's that essence. You know, is I don't want to be told what to do, what to believe. Uh, what to eat, what I can't eat. Um, mm -hmm. I want to be able to decide those things for myself. And I think that is at the root of this um, this this predicament, this this uh, you know uh, cultural erosion that we find ourselves in, where people don't know what to believe in. And I think it's manifesting itself with, I mean, depression and violence, the public shootings that we hear about now on a weekly basis is because people aren't rooted in anything. There's nothing to believe in. And there's therefore no consequences too. So I think people, we're seeing the consequences of a godless society where you try to replace God by being your own God, replace his commandments with your own rules. This is what you make of it. Basically, there is no rules, it's chaos. And chaos devolves very quickly into violence and suffering. So God knew what he was doing when he Hey, I made I made them male and female. I joined mm -hmm. them together. The two yep. shall be one. And from that family and on, on for that, and, and then the covenants that he he made uh, mm -hmm. with Abraham and and uh, the people of Israel. God is the author of life. And that's where we get that word authority. You know, author, uh, authority, <laughs> authority. That mm -hmm. God is in power. He right. he decides how things work, what words mean. Uh, how we're supposed to do things. Right. He comes first. And that's not some ego trip on God's part. It's a matter of doing it the right way, getting things in proper order, decency and in good order. 
you know, means putting God first because God is first. Right. Um, and, and that kind of goes along with the, uh, that there our our society is pushing that there are no absolutes anymore. There's no absolute truth. Right. There's no absolute morality. Um, you know, in, in fact, again, just jettisoning, jettisoning the scriptures and, you know, what, what God has to say, right. About, uh, uh you know, about tr- his truth, his truth is, is paramount. And, and our, our truth is flawed. Right. Frankly, you can't know anything for sure. I think that, and you, and you see that, you know, creeping in even to some of the um, higher criticism of Bible interpretation. Yes. And ex- how we, uh, our exegesis and our hermeneutic, in other words, you know, what we bring, uh, uh, what we take out of Scripture, uh, and then how we interpret Scripture. It's like, well, you know, uh, just because it says it was written by this person and and God did this in that particular way, doesn't mean it really happened that way. Uh, maybe this is uh, allegory. Mm-hmm. You know, maybe this is poetry. And, you know, even if it is poetry, or even if there is allegorical elements, God is speaking his truth in there. And it's usually something that doesn't take a genius to figure out, you know, uh, is this history, uh, is this grammar, or is this just some sort of a made-up story? Yeah. Uh, you know, so you see it, it, you know, it's, it's insidious, this mindset, we call it postmodernism because we're referring to uh, the, the modern era, the, the modern era, 20th right. century scientific discovery and stuff, but really postmodernism, the elements of it really go back, you know, centuries and this idea that, um, it doesn't really mean what it says. It doesn't really, um, convey a truth right. that is eternally true. It's, Maybe true for them or this situation, and uh, but it, it's you know not really a a, a prescriptive uh, uh, you know ordination of God for His creation. That's what I think yeah. is is what I see happening yet again manifested in our in our times, where uh, you can write your own your own script. You know you don't have to follow God's book, literally the Bible. Um, or if you do use the Bible, you can use it in a way that's so loosey-goosey that you you really right. gut it of any authority. You may even say things like, I hear people will say, oh, yeah, the Bible's inspired and the Bible's inerrant, but inerrant and inspired for that time and place, not for all time and all places. Yeah. Well, we had our bat- a battle for the Bible uh, in our LCMS uh, synod. Back in the seventies, wasn't it that uh, that was a big yeah and, a big and, walkout, and that was Seminex. part of it is the the seminary was starting to to teach higher criticism, um, and had been doing it for a while before it got on anybody's radar, and um, pastors were sent into the into into churches, um, and it didn't matter they weren't they weren't teaching that Adam and Eve were historical people right, right. that they had a real fall. Um, and so, so, you know, people or got the idea, well, okay, well the great fish, I right. Mean, yeah. If these things aren't real, 
then what is real in the Bible? What is truth? If, if these things aren't true, then what is true? And so people were able to start to pick and choose, right? What what is real what is truth and what is not what is god's word and what is man's word the, the jesus seminar actually actually did that it was a so-called scholarly effort to decide for the new testament uh in the gospels what did jesus really say what did he maybe say or what did he definitely not say and there was this process that they would go around with these colored marbles and they'd put them <laughs> put them in a bag and i guess oh that's a good way to decide what the bible means let's vote let's, let's cast vote lots on it let's cast lots on yeah. god's word <laughs> let's flip a coin and see uh, what yeah, yeah, uh yeah. what turns out i tell you and i mean we laugh about it but that's kind of scary the yeah. reality of where this can go because if you use that if you use that principle uh for deciding truth as it pertains now we're talking about god's word I mean, everything's open for grabs. Okay, you mentioned creation. I threw in there, you know, an Old Testament uh, account of of Jonah being swallowed the by flood. the great fish. The flood. You, you can yeah. go all of them, all well, the some, Yeah, and and you know, we we would get some in the LCMS would say, oh well, yeah, I believe in the flood, but maybe it was just localized. Localized. It wasn't but a then, worldwide flood, or you know. Just, so they they start to they start to like chip away at the God's yeah. word in terms of the foundation of what He said. And what about a virgin? giving birth yeah, to a, exactly. a child. What about God becoming a human being, right. lifted up on the cross for the sins of the world? What about a dead man rising mm -hmm. on the third day? See, I mean, this is the problem. If if you're gonna, if you're gonna, you know, not take the Bible as the Bible is given, and I, and I, I mean, we're not being foolish here. There is obviously times where Jesus is making, using metaphor, um, when he talks about himself being the bread of life, he's not saying I'm, you know, a, you know, a loaf of rye. Um, but, but aside from those obvious times of metaphor and simile, I think it's incumbent upon us to take God's word at face value. And it's presented in such a way that it comes to us as such, as an authority right. given, not trying to be poetic or artistic or creative or ignorant. And that's the other thing with um, accommodation theory where, well, yeah, they were doing the best they could with what they knew scientifically. So when Moses was writing about creation, everybody else was talking about these fables and stories. So he used them, too. I mean, I'd, I'd like to give the Holy Spirit more credit than that. Well, yeah, that I mean, God a, knows what really right. happened. So Moses wrote about, um, you know, things that are kind of like waters above and waters below, for example. Right. So he writes about these things, and he writes it in a very simple way. He's not going to go into the you know, into the mechanics about how he's that works. He's not going to talk about atoms. He's, yeah, and, he's not he, molecules and he, elements you know, pulling together. Sure, it's it's he's he's basically talking at a level we can understand, and uh, and you know just because you 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 look at a, a a text in God's word and you don't quite get it. Does it's not a limitation on on God's part, like it's not true. It's a limitation on our part that we don't fully fully realize. And we're we're limited, and we're sinful human beings. Right. So so we're we're not going to always get everything a hundred percent. And sometimes it has to be it has to be revealed to us through through the through the Word enough times where we where it clicks finally. Oh yeah, I, I get I get that now. You know. Well, so. it, it, it's exactly what Paul is arguing in Corinthians when he talks about, you know, the natural man not being able to understand 
the word of God, the things of God, because mm-hmm. they are spiritually discerned. Yeah. And it's foolishness yeah. to them. To the to the Jew, it's a stumbling block. To the to the mm-hmm. Greek, it's foolishness. To the intellectual, to the spiritually elite, they're not going to get it because right. they're not being guided by the Holy Spirit. Right. So what's the problem with either of those other alternative approaches to Scripture? You're dealing with people that are using reason, human intellect, uh, uh, magisterially. In other words, it's master, mm-hmm. right. not ministerial. Right. Uh, that's servant. So yeah, we don't, you know. I've said this many times in my congregation. Look, you guys, I'm not asking you to check your brains in when you walk in the narthex and pick them up after the service. I want you to think. I want you to to wrestle and chew on this stuff. But I want you to do so in a way uh, that's humble before the Lord, understanding your finite limitations as a human being, uh, moreover, clouded by sin, and you know our own selfish agendas. We got to weed through all of that. So I mean, how do we are? How are we going to expect to come at God's truth, God's timeless, objective truth? You know, by trying to just be smart about it and archaeological about it or biological about it. Right. You're not, you can't put God under a microscope. You can't dissect him. You know, uh, in a petri dish and come away with some sort of conclusion. That's an empirical way, and, and it has its basis in science, but there are things that you can't analyze in that way, things you can't know through you know, temporal experiences or through our five senses. Uh, uh, you, you, you accept them on faith, and there is, there's, there's the great rub. That's why I think a lot of people can't swallow that pill, that they just trust God, because then you have to admit, I'm not in control. And I right. can't do this my way. I've got to do it his way. I've got to believe him and and believe that he has my good in mind. And then there's so many uh, in, in our culture that want to deconstruct. They That's a big word, right? Deconstructing truth, right? Right, De- right. Deconstructing uh, anything in our society. And anything, yeah. Yeah, that uh, so that they can they can remake. Exactly. Uh, Put the parts together and, differently. That, that they want. Right. And so the oftentimes they'll say, well, no, that's the, you know, uh, the Bible's patriarchy. It's it's it it, uh, you know, it puts women down. Mm-hmm. Um, it, it But, you know, uh, uh, Jesus elevated women. <laughs> he didn't. I mean, oh, he he uh, women were women were basically property. And uh, even Paul, who is, culture. A, you know, the great male chauvinist misogynist of scripture even he recognized that there are women partners he talks about priscilla Mm. so certainly our lord did you know jesus there was women that followed okay they didn't get a lot of airplay in the bible we'll we'll say that but you know again is that with some agenda behind it uh is it because that was a patriarchal society you know what it's just they that was not their calling and their role and i know people hate to talk about roles and assign them in such ways uh, uh, via creation, but God has his plan. God has his story. He has his main characters and he's telling, he's telling the story. He's writing the book. Right. All right, so right. I mean, and, and, and God's not obedient to us. We're obedient to him. Right. Uh, you know, uh, he, he, you know, the, the, the fall set all of that into motion, set the battle of the sexes into motion. So we're, we're not going to see true equality between our sexes until we're out of this, this world into the next and then we will see we'll see true equality like it was before the fall adam and eve sure. didn't one up each other 
No. Before it, the fall. Helper uh, is not a is not a, a hierarchical kind of thing. And that's uh, postmodernism hates hierarchy mm-hmm. um, as well as objective truths, as well as ideologies that are consistent and, and, and such. It's just everything is in flux. Everything is constantly, as you mentioned, the word deconstructed. And, you know, that really kind of, at least in the 20th century, arose out of literary criticism and modern art, because here you've got these these novels coming out these wonderful works uh, being written and you have these, you know, this prolific explosion of this, you know, completely new mode of, of artwork of representing art, not, not the classic, you know, from the Renaissance forward through the Baroque and such, you know, where it's very traditional scenes and very realistically painted, but now you've got this very interpretive style, some abstractly that is not even about things anymore. And vulgar. Sometimes, sometimes and, and sometimes that. is to invoke an emotion rather than to uh, rather than to to portray truth and beauty. Right. Um, well, I think I think the problem though, when you get in uh, to that kind of a thing, is okay. You're the critic. You're trying to to tell the masses or the public, and you want to appear smart. What does this story really mean? Like Hemingway, the old man in the sea, where mm-hmm. the guy goes out fishing, yeah. catches this great fish. It's his dream come true, but he can't get it back to the shore. It slowly, yeah. you know, is taken away from him. Or, or paintings like, you know, Jackson Pollock, who literally just dribbled paint, swirls on canvas. Or Mark Rothko, that does these huge, you know, works of just pure colors, uh, faded, and they, you know, progressively grow darker. Somebody's got to say, okay, what what does this really mean? We want the experts to explain this to us. And they have to appear smart, so they have to deconstruct it and tear about, well, this is what it really is about. And maybe that's not what the author had in mind at all or the uh, or the artist either. But instead of looking foolish, they have to say something about it. But what they end up doing is saying nothing about it. Post, yeah, postmodern art is, is not about goodness, truth, beauty. It's not. It's about it's – about, you know, shock value. It seems sometimes, like, yeah. yeah. And, and it, uh, I mean, you and I went through a museum the last time I was in California. Oh, yeah. Remember that one? And, and and it was uh, it was pretty bad. I mean, it was. I mean, some of the things were vulgar. Was some yeah, of the things like were phallic symbols. <laughs> it was yeah, like I mean, it's it's uh, you know very very uh, uh, amateurly painted. And, yeah, you know, it's just stupid. What was that about? You know, it's like th- that's what you're immediately thinking. What does this mean? We're always, at least in the Western mind, I don't know if the Asian people have a postmodernism. Uh, they probably have a version of it. But in Western thinking, we definitely are susceptible to uh, these postmodernistic intrusions because we believe that things are supposed to mean something. And so we're always trying to assign some sort of label some sort of a, a definition. We're trying to categorize it in a way. We're trying to explain it. And postmodernism hates all of that. It's like, no, no, no. You know, like, well, okay, that's what you think it means, but this is what I think it well, means. Well, yeah, it could mean it could mean something different to every person observing it or something. Right. You know, it's like depending on who you are. What do you want it to uh, mean? You know? Yeah, right. Um, but then you know, it kind of leads into kind of going from literature and from from uh postmodern art and then even into TV and media and movies, right? Mm-hmm. Where, um, 
you know, they, they don't make they, the the way they make movies now are is to basically uh, indoctrinate almost, right? To mm, yeah, and a lot of the TV shows. I I can't watch any of the new TV shows that are out because it's it seems like they're pushing an agenda that that is very uh, uh, anti uh, traditional, anti Christian. Well, um, yeah, con- you know, conventional uh, uh, rules and norms and roles. God forbid. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, none of that. You know, we know better now, or we want to, you know, keep that 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 rainbow spectrum wide open so that it can again mean anything you want it to mean, which in the end is meaning nothing at all. One thing I remember from the book that you uh, uh, cited and it kind of began this discussion between the two of us that we're talking about here now uh, for our listeners today is, you know, uh, about the importance of having a foundation. And, you know, the psalmist writes his, his opening line there about, you know, the, the the building that doesn't have that proper foundation is susceptible to fall. Jesus said the same thing when mm-hmm. he talked about the fool builds on sand the house comes crashing down. The wise man builds on on rock, a solid foundation. And I think if I'm, again, the devil, and I know this, uh, probably people, oh, here, here you're going with your mid- medieval theology of good and evil and the devil. Uh, oh, I believe in him. He's I, real. I, yeah. He's real. He believes in me. I believe in him, too. He's, you bet. He's, he's after me. And he wants nothing but to corrupt God's God's creation. He did it in the garden, and he's still doing it. And if I'm going to try to attack you know, God's world, God's creation, the, 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 you know, the crown of God's creation, human beings, I'm going to strike at the foundation. Because right. if you strike at the foundation, you know, the whole thing comes crush, crushing down and there's nothing to build on afterward. So it seems to me, you know, when we talk about marriage and family, church, the Bible, um, you know, these kinds of things, much more foundational than, than art and literature, although they have their place too in society, but if you strike at the core foundations, you know, that would make sense as a strategy of the enemy. And it doesn't surprise me at all. Right. We find ourselves again contending for God's truth. Right. So, I mean, we see so we see it right. You and I have a television set. We watch television. We mm-hmm. see I mean, it's it, the commercials, the 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 modern uh, television shows that are out. I'm finding I'm watching old stuff. More than anything, because it's just not controversial. It's just remember that show. I mean, we're, it's a, we're not that old, but I I remember the rerun. Father knows best. Yeah. I mean, how antiquated and out of step that seems to be. Right. Thing. Here we got Father's Day coming up. Right. This Sunday. What does fatherhood even mean? What does headship yeah. even mean? Yeah. In today's thinking. Right. Fathers you know are that. yeah. If you're if you're if you're a father, you're a, oh no patriarchy again. Yeah. Can yeah. we you know we we can't we can't have that. That's yeah. got to be that's got to be uh you know thrown thrown away thrown under the bus. Um men are not you know like what, what did you two you uh, two what does one of you two songs say is uh women uh, need a man like a fish needs a bicycle. Well that was wasn't that Gloria Steinem? Uh, yeah, but it was in well, maybe they it sing it again one too. of his songs uh, one oh, yeah. of their songs too and I'm thinking huh. uh, and without, those guys started uh, sorry, as sorry sorry women without a man we don't have a society because we'll be gone in one generation. God structured it that way. I mean, yeah. he made he made his his world. We need each other. You know, there's there's that truth. We're not trying to say, you know, that that women are, you know, barefoot and pregnant under our heel. But there is a structure. And I think that's that's what's so dangerous about 
whatever you call it historically, again, we're calling it postmodernism today after well, the and, and modern part of era. But we're, 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 we're kind of getting at is it's part of postmodernism is the sexual revolution, right? Where, you know, birth control and women can control their bodies and, uh, you know, the well, so, abortion, so, f- abortion, abortion, very yeah, much into it. abortion is, is, is a huge I'm in part control. of it. Um, and, and so, and so what does that do? Women, uh, women are blessed to be able to have children. Men can't do that. Mm. God gave yeah. that, that beautiful vocation to a woman. And actually, and, first Timothy, Paul talks about women being saved through childbearing, which again, makes them pull their hair out. I'm sure a lot of feminists who read that, I think it's talking about, you oh, know, the, the birth the Christ. of Christ. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, the sure. role that Mary has in fulfilling yeah. what God said through the woman, the son would be born right. to crush the serpent's head. But, you know, why why do people rush to offense as if the Bible is so out of step? Well, see, that, that's just it, right? Post-mod- and it must mean something else now, you know. Postmodernism yeah. would say that, oh, no. Well, you know, women, uh, you know, if if they don't want to be pregnant, they don't they don't have to be pregnant. They can terminate a pregnancy. It, all that matters is 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 having uh you know, having the it's it basically sex is becoming uh, gratifying rather than something that's that's life sustaining, right? It's it's the whole shift away from what well, be fruitful uh, and multiply, right? You know, love so, love and producing life, uh, God's design kind of went together, and well, it just go it's just a deconstructionist attitude again, with you take the human being, and it's it's not it's not a child it's a choice it's not a baby it's a fetus uh-huh. which means little one by the way but you know and and it, it somehow by calling it something different by giving it another name or label now we don't feel so bad about ending its life because if we call it what it is we'd be right. barbarians well that's we would be exactly terrible what, to call that's that what a the baby. nazis did to the jews right exactly they called they them did. subhuman they, right. they they had no they they weren't human and so that's what we're doing now it's it's a, just another genocide that uh, human beings are doing uh to the littlest most vulnerable ones that don't have a voice uh, and the nazis actually tried to create science uh, around uh their their scandalous views on uh jews you know different having different sized skulls and looking for different anatomic of course they couldn't find any basis for any of that but they manipulated things just to justify the fact that they're killing millions of people and this is where this goes and this is where i think satan is laughing behind the scenes here and everybody thinks this is about freedom of expression and individual you know like be you know love yourself and be proud of who you are you know it sounds so compelling and so american but really what's behind it is the insidious work of the devil to undermine the foundations of God's world in which we function together according to his plan and right. order in a beautiful, loving, safe, you know, uh, way. So th- there's nothing, you know, um, admirable of, about s- some of these things that are happening today. Right. Well, let's shift gears a little bit because one of the big aspects of what postmodernism has given uh, our culture is tribalism. Mm. Right. We're now now it's identity politics. Right. We're into groups. We segregate ourselves into groups and we fight against each other. That sounds like Satan. Satan's work to me as well. Divide. That's Satan's work right there. Division. Yeah. yeah, Divide and conquer. Right. The church. Um, The church had to had to contend with that. Um, And and, you know, it's it's in the church now, too, is that, you know, we've got in, in our 
you know, uh, Luther would not be happy with how fractured the Lutheran church today yeah. is, that we've got churches that identify themselves on the left or on the right. right. Are you liberal or are you conservative? So again, that's tribalism, right? Uh, mm-hmm. Where we we putting ourselves into these camps, and you mm-hmm. have to be, uh, oh, uh, you know, you come to an ELCA church, you are a liberal. If you go to a LCMS church or a Wells church, you're a oh, a conservative, right? Well, this uh, is this is the other I think problem that you're you're hitting upon with uh, with postmodernism and its and its uh, inevitable conclusions is where you do uh, tribalize a society, fractionalize it into just different groups, what eventually happens between those groups? Anger, violence, name-calling, I mean, at the very least. And that's exactly what we're seeing. That polarity is exactly what we're seeing in our society today, where my truth becomes not, you know, just my truth and I respect your truth, but my truth is a better truth than your truth. And so we're going to fight for whatever limited resources we have. The sense of unifying around God's truth is completely lost. When you have no authority that decides truth and everybody gets to define it like they Mm -hmm. want, you end up fighting. You just end up fighting. The different groups fight. And and the thing is, too, is that, you know, we we started out as – for example, because I'm using our Lutheran church as kind of an example for this whole thing, right? right. So you start out with with the Lutheran church that was the basically that was trying to change the Roman Catholic Church, and that didn't happen. So there was a splinter. Mm-hmm. But you look at it today, there are so many Lutheran microsynods, it would blow your mind. Right? We keep I don't I can't keep, even we keep yeah. splintering and splintering and splintering and splintering. We could just exactly what you're saying is because we're not, we cannot agree. We have to you know we have to divide There's no ourselves unity. No into, unity into a around smaller God's truth. and smaller and smaller tribe. Right. Because we we pick and choose what we want to believe from God's word, and then the the birds of the feather flock together. The thing, same thing's happening in 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 society, right? Where you've got oh, now you've got God, absolutely uh, you've you've got uh, blacks that are that that you know uh, because of all the things that have happened in society recently uh, are you know they're they're going kind of in a in a in a tribal way when so they're kind of pulling themselves segregating themselves from society when it does they don't need to be right we, we should be pulling ourselves together rather than pulling ourselves apart you know an ironic thing about about that question regarding uh race and prejudice uh in our society you know martin luther king was was a brilliant man oh yeah he believed in the unification of races mm-hmm. of you know living out our potential not based on what we look like but our character but, yeah our character our common humanity he was he had it right yeah. we should be working towards forget what a person looks like let's come together based on our our common humanity uh well our constitution you know we're all created mm-hmm. you know equally mm-hmm. life liberty the pursuit of happiness you know uh, that's an unalienable right, right. Uh, that that we have male or female, black or white, whatever race, uh, that's, that's the goal that, that was really the civil rights movement. And I think a lot of the conversation of late is, hey, you know, um, I didn't get treated right, or you have a privilege or a benefit over me. And the way we're going to solve this 
is kind of by you know like a re- a reverse racism of of a kind. Yes. And and that that's going to somehow right the wrongs of the past. I, yeah. I think this is going to create it's no, going to perpetuate it's, the, divi- the division. Exactly. It's just going to make it sharper. There, there's and, no yeah. way. I mean, slavery was a horrendous, terrible right. blight on American right. history. But the way to fix that is not by creating well, some sort but, of but uh, the, the thing is, you know, did, reverse racism. But didn't didn't America, didn't the United States fix it? We did. We're we're like, I mean, I think that is a great uh, a great power that we have in our system is that we can look at something and say that was wrong and we fixed it. We fought a civil war over it. We fixed it. I think um, there. Well, I wouldn't say we fixed it entirely. Okay. Well, no, I know we, what you're but, saying though, but I mean, we yeah, I mean, we ended slavery. But I think there were certainly some fallen consequences. And but, I'm not saying yeah. – I mean I don't have any idea what it is to be a, a black person in America today. And I realize there are definitely things that that I think as a society we need to grapple. Yeah, but, but are there racist people? Yes. Is the nation racist? No. I, well, and just, just because there there are a number of, of, of people who are racist who, who do look at the differences in skin color and – think human subhuman that doesn't that doesn't stand for the 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 whole of the country and there's I, a better I, way forward is i think yeah there's I, a better I, way I forward think, i think what you have to do is you have to look at it and say hey yeah was that bad that that happened yeah it did uh did 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 we did we make a course correction as a nation we did um and it's an ongoing one and, and, and that, are, as are all there, good things are there are. still are there still problems because there are racist people yeah, there are, but uh, you know that doesn't necessarily mean that the whole is 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 bad. But the problem is, is that we've got again these with identity politics, we're 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 slicing ourselves into these groups that want to fight with each other, try these this tribalism, right? That just that wants to to say I'm right and you're wrong. Or if you if you categorize another group of people as being the basis for the problem, either currently or historically, that's just but I, that's what I mean by when I talk about a reverse racism. Yeah. Whenever you, you know, identify a group by the color of their skin, oppressor, or by an ide- yeah. ideology, or you don't believe as I believe, or you're not like I am, that's that again, that kind of that that negative fallout uh, of postmodernistic thinking. That you know, I can define truth by my own terms. Yeah. I can define history in my own uh, way, and I can act accordingly. Where I think what we need to be doing is not trying to find our individuality and our own truths, but we should be working toward a common right. good and a common truth. Right. That's so what the, we're. That's what we. That's what postmodernism right. loses. There right, is no the, such thing. Yeah, they'll say they'll say you you you're, you're discounting my lived experience. Well, yeah. lived experience is subjective. It's not objective. You have to go outside of yourself, right? And and uh, so so yeah. Do do bad things happen? They bad things happen to everybody, right? Yeah. Um. But but this this idea, I guess, this idea of splitting us up as oppressor oppressed, uh, right. you know, all you're doing is again is pitting one person against against each other. We're we perpetuating have, as, the divides, right? And as the Christian Church, we have the answer. Jesus died for all. That's it. Amen. Amen. You know, he, that, he, that is the gospel is the great equalizer. Yes. We are yes. all sinners in the in the uh before a righteous God. We are all deserving of his judgment. Right. 
but we have all our sins have been taken up all in each and every one of us right. on Jesus. Every tribe, every nation, every ethnicity, uh, uh, you know, every gender, every everything has been taken up in Christ. And that's where we're brought together. And I think there is the one hope that I believe for this world. You know, it's not going to be perfect, but it can be better than it is now. The right. way that we have to move forward is not by perpetuating our what's different about us and my truths, but looking for that common truth, that common basis of love. Yep. And we find it in our humanity before a God who created us all in his image right. and a Savior who died for us all in his grace. We, we, There's we have, where the unity lies. Right. We have the answer to postmodernism, and and we have the answer is that we are all slaves to sin, mm -hmm. and and Christ has set us free. So you're my brother. You're my sister. We don't have to be set apart. We mm -hmm. can be together. Right. Uh, we have that common. We have that common. We're we're all in the same ship. Right. We're all and in I the think same that. Boat. That love has the basis of bringing, you know, let's lead with love. I think sometimes, uh, you know, e even in the church, the conservative side, sometimes we want to, you know, we're, we're so concerned with these issues of truth that we, you know, we come out with our our Bibles blazing <laughs> like both pistols ready for a fight. And sometimes we intend good, but we get caught up into this, you know, like this this polemic. And And I think the great hope that I see in Jesus and what he modeled and more than models, more than being an example, what he demonstrated, that while we were yet sinners, he demonstrated love and his death on the cross, right. is that Jesus found a, a wonderful way of accepting and receiving and including and, and, and bearing with everybody. I mean, the tax collector, the sinner, the leper, uh, the prostitute, you name it. Nobody was outside of that grace of Jesus right. Christ. He found a way to love everybody. Well, yeah, I mean, he, there's there's the great strength of the church too, ideally. And the demonstration he demonstrated to his to to to, the, to his disciples by washing their feet and said, "This is what I, you know, he right right before he was led off to the cross, he's doing this for them, right? He's giving them an first. example. He's giving them an example of service that you serve one another, you love one another by serving right. one another." Um and 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 he you know uh, and he gave a new commandment I give you love one another as I have loved you and love there's one God's another. truth right there there's right. God's truth and that's and you're and and that's basically if you're doing that you're fulfilling the law mm -hmm. now do we do it perfectly because we're sinful human beings no and that's where forgiveness for that sin comes into play but that doesn't mean that we don't try that doesn't mean right. that we that we don't do, we don't try to do what we've been commanded to do by Christ. Well, that's how we, that's how we, I think our way, we've been talking and asking that question a couple of times or saying that phrase of how do we move forward? What What's after postmodernism? Is it a neo-orthodoxy or is it a post-postmodernism? I don't know what word we're going to end up uh, giving uh, that. What, yeah, what comes next? What comes yeah. next after postmodernism? Well, I'd like to think it would be, you know, repouring the foundation that has been, you know, not, it can never be destroyed because, you know, the, the, the word of God, uh, you know, endures forever. But that maybe the church has to, you know, again, set those stones, Jesus, the cornerstone of, of laying that foundation of love, of preaching mm -hmm. that message of hope in Christ 
and life in Christ and love through Christ and love for all through Christ. Right. And that's the way we have as a church to go forward. And hopefully society again will, because at one time, I don't know how true it really was historically in Western civilization, how much, I mean, we talk about the church being a part of, of America's colonial times and days gone by. I don't know, you know, if maybe they had their own shallowness uh, and, and, and kind of faulty discipleship too. But it seems there once was a time that, you know, th- sacred things and God's word and God's truths were honored more than they are being today. So maybe the way back again is to you know recapture that sense. Maybe something as simple as recapturing Sunday. Remember when Sunday used to be a yeah, day? Yeah. You know, and and you'd go to church and you'd eat. Stores you'd were all family. closed. Yeah. You couldn't go and buy anything. You just had to. You basically had to stay home you or did. gather with your family, right? Maybe if we can't recapture that, because I don't know if we can ever. You know, the genie's out of the bottle. I don't know how you get it back in. Yeah. But, you know, maybe we can recapture some sense of propriety and and uh, and and goodness. And we do it as we lead with love, as we don't become part of the argument and part of the divisiveness. And, you know, let's let's turn our own, you know, conservative Lutheranism into just another of the many tribes. But let's be an ambassador for the one Lord and yeah. Savior of all, who is Jesus Christ, and go out to all the nations all the yep. tribes, all the peoples. So that's, that's psalm, what I hope. That psalm you were alluding to earlier, which is in the book here, Psalm 11, verse 3, when the foundations are being destroyed, what can the righteous do? Hmm. We can preach the gospel. Yeah, and love our neighbor, even as God has loved us. That's what and, we can do. And we, we've got good news to share that that you know what, we're, we're all together in the hmm. same, and Jesus has, Jesus has, freed us Amen. from our sins. Amen. That's 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 what I cling to, that eternal promise, that eternal word. The tomb is still empty. Society may change. Whatever its views and attitudes and understandings doesn't change the historical truth that God sent his only begotten son into our flesh, took our sins, all of our sins, of all people upon that cross. And on Easter Sunday, the third day, He walked out of that tomb, conquering Satan and death, unifying us together as the one people of God, the body of Christ, um, undivided. And that's good news. That is. All right. Well, let's leave it there, Pastor. Uh, You know, I know know we didn't do like a full book review, but we touched on parts of the book. Well, that's what the book talked about. (laughs) Yeah. So, I mean, if you want to pick it up, uh, anybody that's listening, you want to pick it up and read it. Again, it's Postmodern Times. A Christian Guide to Contemporary Thought and Culture by uh, Gene Edward Veith, uh, Jr. I got a lot out of it. And I know you did, too. I did, too. So, um, yeah, it's uh, it's a good discussion and, again, very, uh, very apt for the times we're living in. Sometimes so, as Christians, yeah. Bible-based ones, brother, we want to, I know you and I talk this way, you want to just sometimes throw our hands up and just say, oh, Lord, you, you've got to be coming back uh, uh, tonight. It just can't be any worse. But I think, you know, and God's got his times, of course, uh, in mind. But I, I think until we know better, there is a way forward, and that's through the gospel of uh, of our Savior, Jesus Christ. Amen. Well, Pastor, uh, I love you, man. Thanks love for, you, dude. Uh, thanks for this good episode, and we'll be back uh, soon after yes. your trip to Iceland. Yeah, we'll, uh, we'll, I'll we'll have to be... tell you. Hey, yeah. fun fact, you know what the national religion is in Iceland? Lutheran. Uh, awesome. Well, yeah. 
Well, you go say uh, you you go give uh, greetings from the Lutherans in the uh, U.S. The big cathedral in, in Reykjavik is. Uh, let me see how I get this right. How um, Halsgrimskirkja is the national cathedral. Okay. And it's a Lutheran one. Now it's not in fellowship with altar pulpit fellowship with us LCMSers, yeah. but uh, you know what? I got to go check it out. There you go. And uh, say hi, in the spirit of what we've just been saying. Yep. You know, I'll lead with love and a smile and a handshake. Say, how you doing? How's it shaking here in Reykjavik? <laughs> and uh, we'll trust God will bring some good things together after that. Amen. All right, man. Well, we'll be talking to you soon and uh, out there in podcast land uh, till we meet again. Amen. God bless you guys. Bye.